Hey everyone, it's Sam with uh, Paranormal Review, and I have to admit to you guys, <clears throat> I think this is one of the more different and almost weirder shows that I have watched. Um, I had someone write to me at paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com. That's singular. Paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com. And I had mentioned on a previous episode about picking up and, and maybe reviewing some of the newer shows that had come out, but that didn't have, um any stars in them or any affiliation with um, any of the original paranormal shows. Kind of like Destination Fear, Dakota Lading was with um, Ghost Adventures. Whereas, you know, Ghost Nation and Ghost Hunters are both ran by the original Ghost Hunters. we have the Holzer Files, where Dave Schrader, you know, has his own show with uh, Beyond the Darkness, and a lot of people know him from him filling in from Coast to Coast AM. And so, this person recommended to me to do It Feels Evil. And it happened to be one of the newer shows that I actually had DVR'd. Um, I I DVR'd a lot of different of the the new shows. I just haven't gotten around to them because I've been enjoying reviewing the other shows that have have been coming out. I've, I've been getting, you know, some emails from people wanting me to pick up Ghost Adventures again. Well... I've done two of them. I'm, you know, I'm getting around to them slowly but surely. Yes, I know the new season has started. Uh, I, I will get to them. But um, I did want to make sure that since this person had wrote me that I, I did do uh, one of the new shows. And like I said, it was suggested to me to, to do It Feels Evil. So this was season one, episode one, and it's called Get It out. Um, it was shown December 16th, 2019, and it is in, it takes place in Yorktown, Texas. Uh, they make sure to tell us that the population is 1,662 people, um, and it started off differently. And like I said, um, I wasn't used to the show. It really kind of has a format of its own. I didn't know who was talking or or who they were or what their background was or anything like that. I wasn't sure of the premise of the show. I literally uh, received the email yesterday and decided tonight just to sit down and watch it and do a review. I didn't research what It Feels Evil was supposed to be about. Like I said, I don't know any of the paranormal investigators in it. I don't even really know what they're trying to accomplish or anything like that. 
in the opening, it starts off with um, that they're going to deal with demonic activities and not to try this at home. Well, for those of you who have listened to uh, previous episodes, you you know I'm not. I'm a chicken. Um, not going to be playing with demons or anything like that. But uh, just was different to me. It starts off introducing us to Yorktown Memorial Hospital, and it says case number 823. So not sure what that that means. And we see a lady um, kind of talking. She says that it's believed that at the hospital, a shadow man is wearing a cloak. Um, that there was once a red pentagram made with candle wax in one room. And now, because it's kind of worn off the floor, it now appears to be a cross. Um, this lady that they show says that she feels that people are summoning things through a portal. And she thinks that it is starting to affect the neighbors across the street. She tells us that this building was bought for storage, but too many people are breaking into it because they think it's haunted and are wanting to either do rituals or explore or do investigations. And so they made the decision to start renting it out for ghost hunts. But now they're catching people starting to kind of conjure things in them. And so, you know, from just watching that point, um, you know, I'm taking my notes and, and I stop and, and I'm thinking, well, there's an issue here. Um, I know they, they bought it for storage, people breaking in, stealing their stuff. So they decided to make some money out of it to have it generate some money. So they started opening it up to ghost haunts or ghost hunts. And now people are conjuring stuff. They're having things happen. They're having things happen across the street that people are griping about. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know what I would do. I don't know whether, you know, me being a, kind of a skeptic, whether I would call a priest or... I, I don't know. Maybe I would call a TV show. I have no idea. But anyway... We get introduced then to Tim Wood, and he is a demonic paranormal investigator, and he is leading this team. Um, we are then introduced to Montana, Patrick, and Scott. They are not introduced to us, I mean, other than that, they're, they're given names, no last names, no background, no anything. And like I said, this is season one, episode one. So for me, who likes to kind of know what's going on, has a fear of the unknown, I'm um, 
getting a little nervous because I don't know who I'm dealing with. I don't know their backgrounds. I I don't know <laughs> what's going on. So, um, you know, Tim says that the um, hospital was built in 1951. And I'm thinking, well, that's not that long ago. Um, that's basically around my mom and dad's age. And why on earth is this building already haunted? What's going on here, you know? Um, they state that it was open for about 30 years. And then it was used as a drug rehab facility. And then it was immediately closed down for good in 1982. But there were over 2,000 deaths there in 30 years. And I'm thinking, wow, that's that's not a a good number at all. Um, We meet... Stephanie Mayfield, who is the hospital caretaker for the owners. And um, she says that they bought the hospital soon after it was closed. And that people are seeing shadow people with red eyes. That they're getting scratched. And so Tim automatically states his objective is to document the demon and also contain it and you guys knew me i'm immediately thinking whoa 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 number one this person who emailed me what have they gotten me into number two how does tim know it's a demon and number three what are we talking about containing? You know, I'm, I'm like all of y'all. I watched the Tennessee Wraith Chasers at Ghost Asylum try to build traps to catch ghosts. Is is that what we're doing here? Are, are we building um, demon-catching machines? What, what are we doing? What have I gotten myself into here? And I understand the documentation part. There's a lot of paranormal investigators trying to document the paranormal um, in one way or another. Um, You know, I think that's from listening to many podcasts, interviews, videos, lectures, from watching him on Ghost Adventures. I think that's all Nick Groff has ever wanted to do is basically make some kind of documentation, evidence, research, experiments, something that someone can believe and kind of stick a belief in. And so I'm okay with Tim kind of doing that. But this whole containing, um, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And I don't like it. If, if you've listened to previous episodes, I don't really like it when they kind of go in feeling like they know what they're walking into. And so immediately I'm regretting that I did not 
uh, know this episode was about Yorktown Memorial Hospital and that I didn't research it and I'm thinking oh my gosh I probably should stop and research this one for the listeners and then I'm thinking no it may jade me and I kind of want to give this show a chance on its own but I'm just really kind of nervous I guess after this, Tim basically um, talks about how he's going to narrow his investigation down into four different phases. And the first one is going to be the exploration phase. And he wants to interview witnesses and identify paranormal hotspots. Well, okay. I'm okay with this. This is what most paranormal shows do most uh investigators that actually go out on their own kind of do so i'm kind of cool um they decide that stephanie is going to kind of introduce them to the facility and the hot spots as they walk up to the steps um tim happens to notice and asks how long the upside down pentagram has been on the right side of the door it's on a wall and stephanie responds years um that she doesn't really know she talks about how the building is three different levels it has 30 thousand square feet and she is on the first floor and she kind of points down and she says this is where people see a, a shadow figure wearing a cloak so tim says that he wants to put a camera about 10 feet down from where they are now and i'll be honest with you one of the first things that i noticed was that up in the left hand corner of the screen they're showing a map of where they are located in the building and i love this uh i wish more paranormal shows would do this because so many paranormal shows especially when they get in huge facilities waverly hills you know they do um the trans allegheny lunatic asylum they do eastern state penitentiary there are times that i don't truly understand where they are um and so i like having that little map up there marking off where they're going and showing as they walk where they're going and i like that they do the ghost adventures thing where they're marking where they want to put cameras um so next stephanie shows them an operating room that has a history of bots surgeries now it still has a table in there and i'm thinking why does it still have an operating table in there this was supposedly turned into a drug rehab center afterwards so did they put that back in there for the ghost hunt thing or is that original what's going on there and then they go down to the first floor chapel and there is an an organ that is still there 
And Stephanie agrees with Montana that this probably is the most paranormal active room in the whole entire building. She hates being in there. Um, Montana states that she could feel the most in there. And, of course, my next question is, who are you, Montana? Why do I care that you are feeling something? Um, are you a psychic? Are you a medium? Or what, what, what exactly are you? You know, and so then Tim tells Scotty. Now, he was introduced to Scott in the beginning, but he tells Scotty to put a camera in there. And so he, he marks that. And as they're walking down the hallway, Tim says that he feels something grab his hand. So they immediately use a trifold meter, and then they pull out a recorder and do an EVP session uh, to see if they can catch anything. They do a playback, and they hear yes on the recorder when Tim asks if anyone's there. Um, but as they are re-listening to it... Um, they kind of hear a baby cry as they they decide to walk down towards the first floor nursery. Now, I didn't hear a baby cry. I, I rewound it a couple times. I never heard that. Um, and then Montana asked Stephanie, were their bodies buried? Where... At the hospital, when someone died, where did they bury bodies? Stephanie answers that some were cremated or dismembered or here. And she kind of gets a weird look on her face. So Montana uh, asks, do you mean that there's bodies buried on the property? And Stephanie... Stephanie gives a weird answer. Her answer is the place is known for satanic rituals. Well, hello, Stephanie. That didn't answer a question. Montana asked about where bodies were buried. She didn't ask about satanic rituals. Are you making the allegation or the assumption that the doctors in the hospital did satanic rituals because she asked about bodies being buried. I think probably what Montana was kind of trying to get at was, do you have a cemetery out back? But Stephanie, I guess, didn't want to play along. So, um... Tim says, after seeing the upside-down pentagram to the right of the door, that there may be black magic or rituals being done. And so, I guess he didn't want to call them satanic rituals. I don't blame him. Because uh, I have seen too many instances on the internet or on Twitter or Reddit or wherever where... Satanists or members of the Satanic Church get a little upset when people automatically assume that um, 
satanic rituals aren't necessarily bad. So I'm glad that kind of Tim made that distinction. Then Stephanie says she believes that most of the time they were performed in the basement and that she hates it down there. Well, Stephanie also hated it in the chapel. I'm beginning to think that Stephanie, who's the caretaker of the hospital, pretty much hates it anywhere. But um, she she kind of <clears throat> explains that, you know, that they happen down there. Tim then explains that it, he believes if there's been deaths on the property and then rituals were also performed on the property, that it could have created a portal that has led to some violent hauntings. And I'm thinking immediately, who said anything about violent hauntings? She said stuff about being scratched. I'm not sure that that's necessarily violent hauntings, but I guess when you're Tim, the demon hunter, that you almost always kind of expect there to be violent hauntings. Tim, or excuse me, Stephanie takes them down to the basement, and as she's walking down, she immediately says that she's not going to be able to stay down here this long. Um, they show that they're in the basement corridor, and Stephanie needs to stop there to kind of catch her breath and to gather herself almost. She then takes them into a room that she calls the seance room. And she said, this is, is where you guys can see the wax, uh, where they have performed seances and, and rituals and, and everything. Tim wants to capture this, so he tells Scott that he needs to put a camera up on the wall to kind of capture this. So then they split up, and Scott and Montana take a drone and lift it up because they want to see the area that the hospital lies on, to see the fence, if there's any openings that, you know, people can get into or anything. And Patrick and Tim go across the street to investigate the feed store that's located over there that Stephanie says that they have been complaining that things are bothering them. So Patrick and Tim interview Kim Farrow, who is, I can't tell whether she is a feed store owner or an employee. I'm thinking she is an employee because she tells them that on her first day that the cash box was thrown at her in the office. She says that there's a lot of different activity and that Chase can tell them more. She talks about the apartment upstairs is where most of it happens and um that they are going to allow Tim to place cameras up there, any equipment that he needs to put up there. And then when we go back to Scott and Montana, they are in kind of the hospital's backyard. 
kind of exploring things. They find an old ambulance uh, and a camper. Scott says at one point that it looks like a meth den back there. Um, Montana then finds that there are knives that are stuck in a tree and a dead bat. She finds a vase container type object and says that she believes that there have been rituals back there. Montana, when they show her name, she is named as an occult specialist. And then as they're looking around, they find an open window nearby that leads actually to the seance room where Stephanie thinks black magic rituals are taking place. So I now figure out that they are introducing us kind of one by one to different members of the team and telling us what their specialties are as kind of they use their specialties. I do find it interesting that Stephanie, being the caretaker, isn't doing what Scott and Montana are doing, which is walking around the place, finding out if there's holes in the fence where people are getting in, finding out, hello, there's an open window, and when Scott stuck his head in, he was like, oh, this is a seance room. Well, why isn't Stephanie as the caretaker doing that? Like um, shutting the window, locking the window, taping the window, putting bars on the window. Um, I just think that she is kind of asking for issues, maybe. So then we see Tim and Patrick. They are now in the upstairs feed store apartment. And we see Tim laying out two REM pods. A blessed cross, two EVP recorders, and then he puts in a continuous camera that's going to catch anything that's happening. Um, Tim then says, you know, I'm going to let this run. I'll come pick it up later tonight. And then he and Patrick... Um, go downstairs, and they meet Chase Koppelman, which is a feed store employee. And he says that he lived up in the apartment for about three weeks. He heard all kinds of voices. He heard, you know, things going up and down the steps. And then he was pinched on his back while he was in bed, that it made him sit up and, and kind of look and stuff. And then at one point, he found a bur or he felt a burn happen on his arm. And he said he, he moved out after that. So then Tim says that we need to now go into phase two. And his phase two is called documentation. And they give us a timestamp that it's 9.30 p.m. And they're having almost a mini team meeting. Um, Tim tells them, you know, 
if they feel something or they're scratched, to immediately go outside. Uh, Montana kind of jumps in and says, hey, you need to separate yourself by the cement. And Tim says, you need to document with cameras and pictures any type of finding. That they are to talk about it so that they can compare things that may have happened to different ones of them after this phase. And then they go inside. They are shown setting up cameras. Um, Scott is even at one point drilling into a wall to kind of stabilize the ones that they're hanging. Then it jumps to they leave Montana uh, to monitor the cameras. Now, most paranormal shows call this their base camp or their home base or whatever they don't use any of that terminology they just said you know montana is monitoring the cameras tim scott and patrick go into the basement now this i guess is where i get a little confused they've already introduced montana as the occult specialist and the downstairs is supposed to be where occult-type happenings are happening. Black magic, rituals, seances, things like that. So I found it unusual that they left her to monitor the cameras. But anyway, um, they think that they hear walking. And then you hear Tim say... We need to Lumidol the center of the seance room in case there were rituals done. Which immediately caught my attention because I'm like, Lumidol? Because I'm a true crime fanatic like, you know, every other girl, you know. And I was like, they're going to use Lumidol? Uh, most paranormal shows don't even think of that. Well... We then get introduced to Patrick Langdon. He's a crime scene investigator. And I'm thinking, you know what? Good old Tim Wood has put together an actual team that makes sense. He's got a crime scene investigator that knows how luminol works, and he talks about how it binds with hemoglobin and iodine that's in your blood and causes a reaction that glows. But I'm sure, as a crime scene investigator, he is used to looking at things with different eyes. Um, looking at doorways, looking, you know, at um, where people could hide things, where people could perform things. And then he's got Montana, his occult specialist, that can recognize things when they walk in a room that may be symbols or maybe things that are used for black magic or rituals or the occult or other religions or anything like that. That may look a little unusual to someone like me, but won't know what they're for. But Montana can kind of give him that knowledge. And so that automatically, I'm like, well, what is Scott? 
what is his background? But anyway, um, as Patrick is spraying the Lumidol, they get a couple hits. And this is where Patrick states, you know, usually we would do a swab, we would send it to the lab, but, you know, they're not doing that. He says it probably is blood. Um, he, they flip over kind of a table, wooden structure, and they find a third pentagram. Tim believes that they really need to draw this entity out and find out what kind of entity they are dealing with. Um, and so I heard that and I thought, wait a minute, I need to stop this. I want to write that down. So that's really what he said. We need to draw this entity out to find out what kind of entity we are dealing with. Immediately after, Tim decides he wants to do a recording session to try to get any EVPs and to try to reach out to, quote, the demon who was summoned, unquote. Wait a minute, Tim. A minute ago, you were talking entity and finding out what kind of entity, and then a minute later, you're talking about a demon you've been summoned. I realize that they've introduced him as, you know, basically a demonologist, an expert, of a paranormal investigator that specializes in demons. I understand where he's coming from. But it seems like he's going back and forth. Is this an entity? Is this a spirit, a ghost? Is this a demon? And I know that this show is, you know, about evil. So we're going to automatically jump to demons. I know that gets you ratings and everything. But I really, really wish they wouldn't do this. But um, he immediately says, well, why don't you attack Patrick? Patrick backs up so that he's against the wall, and Tim says, you know, Patrick's over there up against the wall. Attack him. He's a Christian. Um, and then, in a voiceover that was obviously recorded later, Tim says that nothing can provoke a demon more than Patrick being a Christian. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily proven. I know that most Christians, most priests, and everything believe that, but is that a proven fact? Is that something that we automatically think? Is it because of movies, or is it because of fact? Is it because of evidence? Um, exactly what have we found out, and what does the paranormal, you know, community feel about this? But Tim, and, uh, Tim asks the demon to slap Patrick across the face, and they hear a creaking noise. And Scott, who is standing a little away from Tim and Patrick, says that he is starting to feel a cold spot. And then he feels something tickling his arm. And so Tim decides to check the recorder. They hear a voice saying, I will take it home. They replay that a couple times. Um, 
and it's when he he's talking about getting Patrick, and it says, I will take it home. Now, after they told me that it says, I will take it home, yes, it does sound like that to me. Um, what I guess I am confused about is other paranormal shows don't, number one, usually get sentences that long. Number two, they usually don't get them that clear and loud. So, that immediately makes the skeptic in me wonder what 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 caused them to do that. Is this a demon they're dealing with that is super strong? And that's why it's loud. It's why it can gather enough energy to say a sentence. Or... Did they use enhancing audio? Or do they have better recorders than a lot of people? What made them be able to get that? But Tim then immediately draws or jumps to the conclusion that by it saying, I will take it home, that it means an attachment. I I don't necessarily know that that's what this entity means. You know, when they're offering up Patrick and it says, I will take it home, I would think that it wants to take Patrick home with them. Uh, meaning maybe kill him? But... Tim jumps, I guess, to the opposite conclusion that it wants to do some kind of attachment and go home with Patrick. Patrick starts coughing, and basically he says he doesn't want to take anything home. He's not interested in that, and Tim kind of reassures him and says, hey, he feels like we're getting really close to bringing this out. And that it's time now to start with phase three. Tim's phase three is communication. Well, to a point, I feel like almost they've been doing phase three. I mean, they just got an EVP a pretty good MVP saying I want to take it home. But but Tim is, um, he states that the goal of this phase is to prove evil does exist and that it can, can contaminate neighborhoods. So what he does basically is send Patrick Scott and Montana down to the chapel at 12.30 a.m. While Tim goes across the street to the upstairs feed store apartment to pick up equipment. He says it's been running for about six hours and it's now 12.45 a.m. When he gets in there, his um, light dies, and 
he picks up the recorder and he picks up the blessed cross. On the recorder, as he plays it, he hears get it out. Now, like I said, I reround this a couple times. Even after he told me it was saying get it out, I couldn't make that out. Um, I know there was like an intelligible something there, but as far as hearing get it out, I did not hear that. Um, so now TM really wants to try the blessed cross at the hospital. Um, he wants to compare and see if he can get a reaction over there, if it's the same type of entity. We then jump over and we're back at the chapel and Montana says that she feels something touching the back part of her left leg. So they put a tri-field meter and it goes up to 0.8 and then on the recorder they capture a voice saying me when they ask who's touching Montana. So on it you hear who's touching Montana and then you hear her voice say me. I did hear that. Um, I thought that was pretty legible and I'll be honest with you, again, I'm wondering how they got it so loud and clear. Are they using better recorders, or is it enhanced, or what exactly is going on there? So, they then make the decision to go up to the nuns' quarters. I don't really understand this. I'm just, I'm just going to be real honest with you. Um, they hear a baby crying in the nursery when they're walking around. They see an operating room, and they've been told 2,000 people die there. I guess I'm used to most paranormal shows going to where the people tell them. I didn't hear Stephanie say anything about the nuns' quarters. So just a little confused why they chose to go up there. But they do, they go upstairs to the nuns' quarters. However, Tim comes back at 1.40 a.m. and he immediately goes into the chapel. And he takes the Holy Cross with him. He lays it down near the altar with a recorder and he does an EVP session. A recording session and he hears a creaking sound well they heard a creaking sound earlier in other places but his fellow investigators are upstairs and they're not showing the map anymore comparing where Tim is based on where they are so, I automatically want him to figure that out. Is that creaking noise that he's hearing in those back corners, is that his fellow investigators upstairs walking around? 
So they flash to upstairs, and Scott hears whispering in a room of the nun's quarters. So Montana walks into basically that same room, and she also hears whispering. Now, they then realize that it's the wind or air coming through a vent duct. Um, so, I was impressed with that, that they did look around and try to figure out, you know, is this really whispering or what's going on here? And so, they did figure out, no, no, this is, this is being caused by something else. So after his EVP session downstairs in the chapel, Tim decides to listen to it. And as he listens to the recorder, he hears, get it out of here. And then he hears, get out of here. He feels like this is similar to the one across the street. And I kind of agree with him. It's the same tone almost I couldn't make out the one though across the street um these I can semi make them out especially after Tim says what they are but then um he meets up with the fellow investigators and we find out when Tim asks Scott and they show he is Scott Delia. He's a filmmaker, which is why he was setting up the cameras. That makes sense now. Uh, Tim asked Scott to take the cross, the, the blessed cross, in the chapel and see if he can pick up anything. And they're going to leave him alone. Tim, of course, reassures him and tells him to scream if he needs them and they'll immediately come. That always makes you feel better, I'm sure. But, you know, Scott must have this um, healthy fear type of, of wanting adrenaline rush from fear because, you know, he's not afraid to draw this out. We see him not only both in the chapel up near the altar, but also in the confessional room. Um, he's in the confessional and says, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And he is reciting the Lord's Prayer in there, and he picks up a growl on the recorder. Um, then when he's up near where the altar would be, he feels something grab his leg. He is using a lot, and I do mean a lot, of provoking techniques. And now I am totally understanding why in the beginning of this they're telling people not to do this at home because I know how much the paranormal community when Zach Begins from Ghost Adventures was doing this um, how much the paranormal community just went wild and so I can't imagine how they feel about this show using these kind of provoking techniques but uh, Tim really wants to compare the sounds from across the street to the ones that are that they're catching at the hospital. 
So he plays them for Montana, Patrick, and Scott. And after comparison, I mean, he believes that the entity is using the drains and pipes to spread throughout the neighborhood. And Montana says, what do you mean by using water? And he he says the same thing that most of the paranormal community believe is that entities can travel through water. And he believes that this is a highly intelligent and demonic entity. So they need to be careful. I'm not 100% sure what led him to those conclusions, though. Um, I, I, and I may be wrong, and please, if you're listening to this and, and you know way more about this than me, please write me at paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com, or we are on both Twitter and on Facebook under Paranormal Review. Please look up our, our Facebook page or our Twitter and holler at me, and kind of tell me I was always under the conclusion that when you're dealing with a demon that there's usually violent things that happen we've got a little bit of scratching but that's basically it Um, Chase said he felt a burn on his arm but has no pictures of it didn't go to the hospital for it anything like that Um, no one has been possessed no one stephanie hasn't gotten an attachment none of the um, paranormal investigators that they've let in for ghost hunts have had any attachments or anything like that so i'm not a hundred percent what's making tim lead him down this path but anyway he wants to try to get visual evidence and then he wants to contain it for people so he then goes to the main water drain to do a scrying and hydromancy experiment at 3:15 a.m. Him and Montana go there. I have never seen anything like this happen. So I'm not really sure whether they did it right, whether they did it wrong, they made it up. I have no I have no clue. Um, but they go to where the main drain is. Tim places a, a, what appears to be a dish over the main drain, and he pours holy water in the dish, and then adds, he said, oil from years and years to it. He places a recorder next to the dish, and then asks the entity to show itself. He believes that if it does, then they can set up blocks to keep it from going anywhere else. So Tim places his fingers in the dish to stir up the oil in the dish, and he starts taking pictures at the same time. And he's asked the entity to appear. And I guess, from what I was able to put together, they didn't explain it, that um, I guess when he's asking the entity to appear, that it will appear 
using the oil in the water, I'm assuming, because um, he goes through the picks, and in one pick, um, Tim believes that he catches two demonic faces, and Montana agrees with him. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, you know, I'm, I've never really seen that or heard of that, but okay, I didn't see demonic features or demonic entities in that picture, but I'm not sure what they look like. So, um, you know, I kind of have to go on Tim's word here. Then he decides um, that he's going to try another experiment. And so they all go to the first floor corridor, and they, at 3.50 a.m., decide to do a ghost box experiment while Scott is holding a thermal camera. Um, they get very little response, so they decide to walk around using this. They end up in the chapel, and they end up, as Tim is asking questions, they get responses. Um, one of the questions he asks is, where are you? And the response is, with you. Um, and you could hear those coming through the ghost box fairly well. And I think all of us that have been listening to these episodes and, you know, have heard skeptics talk or heard scientists talk know the different issues with the ghost box. So, not really going to go into that. But uh, Tim then says that he wants to use his energy and do a Ouija board session next. So the next time we see them, it's 4.15 a.m. Um, they are having a team meeting outside, and Tim says that they need to start Phase 4, and Phase 4 is confrontation. Um, Tim wants him and Montana to draw a line of salt around the hospital. They are going to go in and do a Ouija board session in order to draw the demon into the hospital in case it's across the street. Then they're going to get it to come in to Tim and Montana is going to contain it. Tim is going to try temporary possession, but he states that this is going to be extremely dangerous because it could end up permanently attaching itself to him. Montana says that she's going to let everybody know as soon as she gets the property contained and sealed and then they will have to get the demon immediately out of Tim and then get out of the hospital. So what we see them do is taking bags of salt and making a salt circle around the hospital. 
and they leave a opening of the salt um, that to me appears to be, I don't know, three to five feet. They have a bag of salt near Montana. And this is um, so that the demon has a way to get into the hospital. What they did after the holy water oil experiment was they poured holy water down the drain and blessed it and kind of, I guess, blocked it in the main drain so that the demon couldn't come through the drains anymore. So Montana stays outside with a bag of salt, with oil, and with holy water. Scott, Patrick, and Tim go inside to the chapel. They put Tim in different apparatuses, such as it looks like um, a breathing respirator uh, that covers his nose and mouth. They put headphones on him that I'm assuming are noise canceling. They appear to put some kind of gauze or um, some kind of material over his eyes and then use tape to cover that so that he can't see. And they state that Tim being deprived of his senses makes him a more easier target for the demon to come into him. Tim then asks the demon to possess him, to come into him. That he wants to use him to communicate. And Patrick has a Ouija board on his knees. And he is sitting across from Tim, I don't know, approximately three feet. When they feel, or when Tim feels, that the demon has came into him, then he says that, and Patrick scoots up more, and they guide Tim's hands to the Ouija board, where Patrick starts asking questions. Um, and they do kind of a Ouija board type session where um, they can hear Tim talking and saying seven, seven. He um, is answering some of the questions and then some of the questions are coming through the Ouija board or answers are coming through the Ouija board. Um, they, Scott is then, once uh, this starts happening, Scott then radios Montana, tells her to go ahead and close the circle. So we see her pick up the bag of salt and close um, the three to five feet of the circle. She starts uh, with oil and holy water and talking about how she is calling upon the gods to seal it and to protect them and many other things that I'm sure we, we don't hear. So she gives them the okay, 
and they proceed to try to get the demon out of Tim by placing holy water on him, by coating him with oil, with putting, you know, a blessed pendant on him um, of commanding the demon to leave in um, basically Jesus' name. And after Tim feels like he has semi-gained control of himself, they help him and he staggers and walks to the front door. Um, Montana crosses the circle to get near him and he says, Is it weird that I don't want to cross the salt? And she says yes. Um, that that's not your feelings, you're feeling that is the demon making you feel those feelings. He wants you to stay, he wants to take you over, you have to cross the salt. We then hear Patrick and Scott saying that they will pick him up and carry him across the circle. And Montana says, no, he has to cross it himself of his own volition. So she again talks to Tim, and he proceeds then to cross the, the circle of salt. And it's almost like he has to catch his breath, and they end up getting in the car and leaving. Um, then we see Tim kind of almost doing a recap. And how he talks about how they contained the demon to the hospital. And how that they had gotten an update from Stephanie that said no one else in the neighborhood was feeling anything. That the feed store was not having any other issues. But however, everything in the hospital had escalated. Well, to me, you know, I don't know a whole lot about this. I don't I don't have a lot of experiments with the paranormal other than what I've seen on these TV shows and I have told you guys that. But it makes sense to me. It's pretty logical if I have been allowed to run all over the United States and you trap me in a way smaller place like my home then I may get a little upset and proceed to escalate throwing things or hurting people or whatever. I guess the thing that confuses me is I don't understand why they didn't get rid of it. Are they planning on going back at a later time to get rid of it? Um, I'm sure the owners of the hospital are not real excited because they remember they bought this for a storage place um yes i guess by them containing it they could turn it into a paranormal paradise or ghost hunters uh greatest adventures but the thing is is do they not have the power to get rid of it do they not know how to get rid of it um do they need someone else to get rid of it what exactly does need to be done in order to get rid of it? Are they not allowed to show that on TV? I, I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know what what needs to happen, but I just don't understand why they didn't get rid of it unless the people of Yorktown Memorial Hospital didn't want them to get rid of it. So, um, just, I guess, a little confused. Um, as far as the show, do I believe it? I don't know. This show, for me, is really out there. Um, can I believe Destination Fear? Yes. Can I believe in some other, some of the other shows? Yeah. A, a lot of them use logic and can explain stuff. And whether it's TV tricks or it's something they do later in post-production or whatever, it's still entertaining to me. And it's fine. I can believe it or not believe it, but it's still entertainment. Was this show entertaining? Yes, it was extremely entertaining to me. It was different. I've never seen anything like that. I've never heard of anything like that. So it was entertaining to me. But from a skeptic's point of view, I think there are a lot of holes there. I think they didn't explain a lot. I think they didn't go into detail a lot. I thought that they jumped to a lot of conclusions. Um, I felt like enough time wasn't taken. Um, I mean, this was all done in one night. And granted... It was a lot longer night than what we see on Ghost Hunters or Ghost Nation or Ghost Adventures or anything like that. It was a lot longer a night. But should it have been done over days? I don't know. Um, do I believe in demons because of this show? No. Um, I don't feel like they had the evidence. Like I said, I felt like they jumped to a lot of conclusions. Um, the Salt Circle. Yes, I've heard of that before. I've read about it in even fictional books. Um, so I understand its concept. Do I know it works? No, I've never seen anybody do it. I've never talked to anybody that's actually done it. Um, do I believe it traps a demon? I don't know. Doesn't salt eventually wash away? Um... So, I I think this show entertained me. I think, to a point, I am very intrigued with this team and their backgrounds and the fact that they were put together. I kind of like that. They're not uh, just Joe Blow off the street. Uh, but, do I feel like I truly learned a lot. No, I don't feel like they were teaching a lot. So while it was entertaining, I don't know that it was necessarily educational or convincing. Will I watch it again? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I like this team. Um, I Tim's a little dry, but that's fine with me. I I was okay with it. Do I know that it's real? No, I don't. I don't know that it's real. I don't know that it was necessarily well put together. I um, 
We'll give it another chance, though. And I do appreciate the emailer that emailed me and said, hey, you probably should watch this one. Thank you. I I really, I love that you guys are contacting me and either helping me with answers or at least giving me suggestions. Uh, would I recommend it to someone else? Yeah, if after listening to this, you're intrigued or you want to see if I'm wrong or you want to see if I'm right or you want to see if you agree, then yes. I totally think you should look this up and watch this. Like I said, it's called It Feels Evil. It's season one, episode one, and it's called Get It Out. Um... If you watch it, let me know how you feel. Like I said, we're on Paranormal Review on Twitter and on Facebook. On our Facebook page, um, I put up all kinds of live videos. We have a duology or duo demonology with uh, James Antoine and um, Carl Johnson. Um, I've been putting up the live videos that Bishop Alouette and Sister Mary Joan from Ghost Adventures are, are have been doing. They've been doing Q&As because they've been on the new season of Ghost Adventures. I have been putting up um, Ghost Nations. Steve Gonzalez um, did an interview the other day about the new Ghost Nation that's coming out. Ghost Hunter starts... Um, April 8th, so Brandon Alvis did an interview, um, I have an interview that I just put up, Mustafa, Rochelle, and Brian did with, I believe it was American Ghost Hunters, um, I am trying to put up as many live interviews as I can, articles that I can, um, putting up Nick Roth and Chad Lindbergh, Josh Hurd, and the other person is leaving my mind, and I don't know why, but the G Crew, they are calling themselves the G Crew, they have started a new Patreon podcast and have been interviewing. Uh, the, one of their first interviews with was with John E.L. Tenney, and they have interviewed Bobby Maki. They've interviewed over 12 or 20 different people, and they are putting them up. It's a dollar a month to join. Uh, I've been putting up a lot of their previews. Um, a lot of different TV shows are starting, like I said, uh, Ghost of Interest just started two weeks ago. We're going to be reviewing a lot of shows, and I'm going to try to be getting them out a lot more often. So, please subscribe to this Paranormal Review. We are on all major platforms. We are, we are on uh, Spotify and Stitcher and Pocket Casts and all of them. Um, if I am not on your word local podcatcher please write me like i said paranormal review pod at gmail.com i will get on whatever you you guys need me to get on in order for you guys to hear it um we are on uh cast box and overcast and all of that you can always go to red circle and here's uh, feel free on Red Circle. When you go to Red Circle, you can make any donations you would like to. Uh, you can tip. You can do. I I would more than appreciate that. Um, leave me a review at Podchaser. Um, a lot of people want to leave Apple reviews. 
that's great. You can leave Apple reviews. The only thing is, is Apple doesn't hit everybody. Not everybody has an Apple phone or an Apple device. Not everybody uses Apple um, podcasts. So that's the reason why I ask people to go to Podchaser, because no matter where you listen to us at, um, you can put a review there. Um, like I said, don't don't forget that you can always write us if you have any questions, problems, questions, uh, problems or protests. I will be more than happy to answer what I can or try to find out the answers to what I can. But I thank you guys for listening and putting up with me for about an hour and it looks like 12 minutes. Um, I hope you are liking the show if you would like to see anything changed or you would like to see a different show reviewed feel free to write me and i will talk to you guys soon